0: Everybody, you're now tuned into the true definition of a sports fanatic. I'm your host, Brandon Lampley. We are two days away from Bird Day, aka Turkey Day. Aka, I'm thankful for all the pie that I'm going to eat as I pass out with the itis while watching the Detroit Lions get smacked. Oh, yes. It's a Thanksgiving tradition, though. I mean, I know one of my um, favorite cartoons is Family Guy. Had a uh, Thanksgiving episode where Peter and Brian uh, had the turkey. And they lost the turkey, so they're trying to get another one. So they break into the zoo to try to get one of the live turkeys to take it back home. And Brian somehow falls into uh, the lion's cage, and when they're getting ready to eat him, he's like, hey, shouldn't you guys be in Detroit losing a football game? <laughs> Hilarious. But what is up, my people? One thing I, this, one thing I hate, and it's unrelated to uh, football or sports in general, is the weather here in florida especially around this time of year now when it's hot it's hot that's what you expect is hot but when it gets cold it's not cold it's cold and hot cold and hot like this morning it was like 49 degrees this afternoon it was 77 it was sweating outside man but anyway that's unrelated but first and foremost i have to acknowledge the King. The GOAT. LeBron James. No people, I am not a Lakers fan. Never have been, never will be. I am a LeBron fan. So wherever LeBron goes, I go. It is what it is, man. That's where my loyalties lie. And I think what the fourteen and two. Gunning for that top seed in the NBA. Really, it's early on. We'll see how things play out, but they look like they'll probably have the number one overall seed, probably pump out about 60 games. And they'll, I'm sure they'll be primed and ready for most likely what will be a Western Conference final showdown with the Clippers, which is the only team I think that can really, really has a chance to beat them in a seven-game series. Other teams will give him a series, give him a game here or there, but an actual threat is the Clippers and the Clippers only. And, man, LeBron is playing point guard right now, and he's leading the league in assists, which I always knew he could do. Like, whatever he focuses on and really puts his mind to, he's going to be able to do it. If he wanted to lead the league in scoring, he could lead the league in scoring. Want to lead the league in assists, he's doing it right now. Want to lead the league in steals? He can do that. Blocks? He can do that. All around, he's the greatest player to ever play basketball. Now, yes, Jordan was great, but Jordan wasn't all wasn't an all-around player that LeBron James is. But I cannot wait for playoff basketball. Now that we got a little bit of basketball out the way, let's focus on my favorite. Football. I'm gonna start in college football. wasn't really much going on during a college football weekend. Uh, everything as far as the standings pretty much stayed status quo, except for Oregon. I tried to build Oregon up. I did. I really did. I gave them a shot, man. I said if they ran the table, won the Pac-12, you got to put them in um, over a one-loss Alabama, depending on who lost out of LSU and Georgia. And what did they do? Go out against the fighting Herm Edwards, which is Arizona State, which I love Herm Edwards, by the way, and I think he's doing a fantastic job with Arizona State. They go out with them, and they lay an egg. That, that's it. There's no hope left for Oregon. Penn State, I thought, might have gotten blown out. thought the game would be close early, and I felt like Penn, uh, Ohio State – will pull away late and probably beat them by a couple of scores. But, man, they gave Ohio State all they can handle. And it ended up being, um, I'm thinking, like a one-score game. Not one score. I think it was a 10- or 11-point game. So, well within reach and closer than I thought it would be. But even with that, Ohio State maintains their number two spot. But LSU at one, Ohio State at two, Clemson three, Georgia four. Bama, five. Nothing in that top five has changed. It all stayed status quo. But Utah, Oklahoma all come up a spot at six and seven. Florida comes up two spots to eight. Minnesota jumps two spots to nine. Penn State falls three spots, of course. And Oregon falls eight spots to 14. You can't lose. You cannot lose to a five-win Arizona State team. You can't. You just can't do it. But even with all that said, this upcoming weekend is interesting because Ohio State plays Michigan. Now I know, I know, Michigan hasn't even sniffed the win against Ohio State in, what, what, like eight years or something like that? Dude, it's, it's been a long time. I don't know the exact years or however, but it's been a long time. I just know Urban Meyer – has never lost to Penn State. I mean, not to Penn State, but to uh, Michigan. So, man, they have a shot, but I'm not counting on them to beat Ohio State. I think Ohio State wins, and they win the Big Ten, and they maintain their number two position. Uh, Same with LSU. LSU wins. They beat Georgia in the SEC championship game and maintain their position. Clemson, same thing, run the table, win the ACC. Now that's where it comes in at Bama at five. You have to put Bama in at four. And they get a rematch with LSU in the first round of the playoff. Because you can't can't put a Utah team over a one-loss Alabama team, because Alabama has Auburn this weekend. Their resume already is better than anybody below them, because their only loss is to the number one team in the country. So you have to put Alabama in. Now, of course, they lose to Auburn, which I don't see happening because Bo Nix is Cheeks, just absolutely terrible. It's a crime that Joey Gatewood did not get a shot in Auburn. But, hey, nepotism is real. Bo Nix is a legacy. It is what it is. But Alabama beats Auburn, you got to put them at four, because Georgia most likely will lose to LSU. Utah, Oklahoma, definitely not a two-loss Florida, definitely not a one-loss Minnesota two lost Michigan, no, Uh, one lost uh, Baylor, no, nobody below them. So you have to put Alabama in. And besides, of course, the college football playoff implications of this upcoming week, it is rivalry week where teams pretty much play their most hated rivals. So you got, what, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Clemson versus South Carolina – Ohio State-Michigan, uh, Iron Bowl, Alabama versus Auburn, Oregon, Oregon State. know Notre Dame and Stanford is a rivalry. Uh, Florida State versus Florida. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. It's going to be a good slate of games coming up. I'm going to have a adult beverage in one hand. And a turkey sandwich in the other hand. Well, switch it up. I'm gonna stay on football. And talk about the NFL. And I'm gonna get them out the way now because I'm very lackluster as far as uh, football in my city right now. It's time to burn it down and start anew. I want to be like a phoenix. Rising from the ashes. Just burn the whole Jaguars. Burn it all down. Burn the facility. Just tear it all down. Burn it down. And just build it back up. And make Gardner Minshew the centerpiece. Get Nick Foles out of here. Tom Coughlin. David Caldwell. The whole coaching staff. Go ahead. Let it go and we go ahead and start the campaign for our new coach, I vote for Jim Harbaugh. I like Jim Harbaugh. I think he's a NFL coach. I don't think he's a college coach, which I think is why he's struggled at Michigan. So, you know, even though he did build uh, Stanford into what it is today, and David Shaw has continued it, I think he's an NFL coach. I think he's built for the NFL. And him – Helping with the development of Gardner Minshew, oh, man, I am for it. Either him or Mike McCarthy, former Packers uh, head coach. I am with it, son. But we got to get these guys out of here, man, along with Nick Foles. Because, man, I've been hearing so many excuses about Nick Foles from people I know to local media, you name it. They're caping for Nick Foles, and the first thing he said, "Well, it's not all his fault, and look what the defense give up, and the, our run defense is terrible, and the O line is garbage, and I got, I got all of that. I got all of that. But guess who didn't look this bad with all those things? I just go go ahead, take a guess. I'll give you one guess. No, you got nothing. It was Gardner Minshew." Gardner at no point looked this inept. And even when he had his bad games, he had two bad games. He had a bad game against the Saints. He had a bad game against the Texans. The Saints had a superb game plan. I think part of that was Gardner. Part of that was coaching. And Filippo and Marone uh, coaching against the Saints defense. I think they got took to school, I really do. Now in the Texans game, it seems like he was pressing. It was very weird. He was high on a lot of throws, which he hadn't been high all year. And supposedly he was nursing an injury in his throwing shoulder. So who knows whether that's true or not. Uh, Tony Baselli talked about it and that's just what I've been hearing. But you go back to Gardner Minshew, he brought excitement at no point. Nick Foles has been playing these last two weeks that I think once we were down at least two scores, that I think we were coming back at no point. We could be down 20 to nothing, and I think at some point, if Gardner Minshew is in the game, he's going to get hot and we're going to start to come back. I don't get that feeling with Nick Foles. And Then he's doing these press conferences, man, where he seems – seems so lethargic, man. He's talking about this as a process and almost like he came here to help build this up. He didn't come here to help build this up. We were sold that this was a finished product and that Nick Foles is the centerpiece. That's not the results we're getting. We're getting the results of a team that's in rebuild almost. That's not what we signed up for. And that's definitely not what Tom Coughlin David Caldwell, and the ever so critical of the fan base, Mr. shot Khan. Now, I like shot Khan. But, dude, you got to win. You have to win football games. If you win, they will come. Dude, it's 95 degrees out there. And it's 110 the closer you get to the field and on the field. I'm not about to sit up in the stands and pass out. To watch y'all get molly whopped by 40 points. It's not happening. But it is what it is, man. And even though even though they're four and seven right now, you're still not out of the playoff picture because the NFC is stacked. Dude, your two wild card teams in the NFC is nine and two Seattle and eight and three Minnesota. So, all them teams like the Rams that's at six and five, and everybody else that's at five and six, dude, you have no shot. Only shot you have is for some of them teams ahead of you to collapse. And I don't see it. But in the AFC, dude, you can still write your own ticket. Now, you got to win five straight. You can't lose anymore. And I hope some other people in front of you lose. But you still got a shot. If this was the NFC, you're done. But I have zero faith, zero. Nothing's being moved. You might as well go ahead and bench Nick Foles and start guarding Minshew the rest of this season to see what you have. But, hey, that's just me. Now moving on to more pleasant football, which it was still sad because I had to watch two guys that I love dearly play for other teams when they should be playing for the Jaguars. And that's, of course, Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens and Jalen Ramsey of the Los Angeles Rams. Now, the Ravens absolutely demolished the Los Angeles Rams. Man, uh, dude, I don't know what's going on with the Rams right now, man. It's like Bill Belichick laid the blueprint and every team is following it. And until Sean McVay can beat it, he's going to see this over and over and over again. Then Jared Goff is man, Dude got his money and seemed like he is mailing it in because he is awful. Dude looks like, what, 2016 Jared Goff. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. And then Todd Gurley got the knees of a 60 year old because even with him getting touches and back to back weeks of 20 plus, he still doesn't look like the Todd Gurley of old. And then their offensive line is in shambles. And defensively, they have been pretty stout, but man, Monday night and Monday night football. John Harbaugh and Greg Roman drew up a game plan where they wanted to attack the edges. So they attacked Clay Matthews. They attacked Ebukam. They attacked uh, Dante Fowler, any of those guys. They went at them with huge success. I know the Ravens rushed for at least 250-plus yards. Because Lamar had 80 by himself. And I know Mark Ingram had, if not 100, close to 100. Gus Edwards chipped in. And even Justice Hill chipped in, man. So they ran all over those guys. And even with running all over those guys, uh, Lamar Jackson threw for five touchdowns. It's so funny, man. Lamar was so criticized coming out. And you wonder what people were seeing that I wasn't seeing because I saw it at Louisville. I said, man, this dude can play. I have no issue with his arm or his accuracy. He can play, and you already knew what kind of athlete he was. But now everyone that has had something to say about him not being a quarterback, not being a passer, not being developed, him being a project, um, not being able to last, yada, yada, yada. They're moonwalking off those comments like Michael Jackson in his prime. So, man, if you're not a believer by now, man, I can't wait for the Ravens-Patriots rematch. That is going to be good. Because I've never seen Bill Belichick lose twice to the same team in one season. Never saw it. And I don't think it's going to happen. But it's going to be interesting. You better believe it. Now, also – It's always, always a good day when the Dallas Cowboys lose. Always a good day. They couldn't even beat the Patriots in the cold and rain, who I think the offense scored, what, three points? Six points, something like that? Actually drove down the field and put points up on the board, not off of turnovers or miscues anything like that, I think they only score like three points the rest was off special teams and defense and cowboys could not cut it and everybody's talking about how bad that patriot offense looks but dude they don't have to be good they just have to be good enough because that defense is good i had heard all that talk about all that. yes a great defense but they haven't played nobody look i know a dominant defense when i see one And that's what they are. As long as they stay healthy, Patriots lifting another trophy, man. I'm sorry. It is not over until it is over. The king is not dead until he's dead. The fat lady has not sung her final song yet. If Baltimore wants to win in the playoffs against New England, You have to do your best to get that number one seed. Hope that New England falters again down the stretch because you hold the tiebreaker over them. And get them in Baltimore and not have to go to New England where the calls are always mighty friendly. Not only do you have to deal with a fundamentally sound team that's incredibly well coached, got a little home cooking going on with those reps up in New England. So, Lamar and the crew, y'all need to get them back to to be more, to have a legitimate shot. Oh, man, I can't forget about the great Jerry Jones and all his ineptitude in running the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, Jerry's never going to learn, man. I understand you the big horse, and it's your team. But hold on there, buckaroo. You cannot openly criticize your coaches the way he's done it he needed to say these things to them and not let them find out through the media the things he said because after they lost to the Patriots he said that and quote special teams is a total reflection of coaching to me special teams is 100 percent coaching it's 100 coaching it's strategy It's having players ready. Special team is nothing but coaching. Special teams is effort. Special teams is savvy. Special teams is thinking. Now, first and foremost right there, he contradicted himself because he said that special teams is nothing but coaching, which means that it's on the coaches and nothing else. Then he said special teams is effort. Well, hold on. Wait a minute. I thought it was all coaching. Because anyone would know, no matter what game plan you've drawn up, no matter what plans you put in place, no matter what players uh, you put in certain spots, if there isn't effort and energy, the plan you put in place will not be executed. He had it right the second time. It's effort. That's what special teams is about. Because guys, you got guys who... You know, for the most part, might not have played special teams really because they were stars in college and they weren't, they didn't really play special teams. They weren't special teams guys. But you find guys that suit special teams. And I'm sure this is, what, week 12? You should be a well do machine um, as far as the players who know they're there and know their assignments and know what they're supposed to do. So at that point, it's energy and it's effort. So, Jerry Jones, man, oh, my God. See, this right here is why people call Jason Garrett the assistant head coach of the Cowboys because Jerry Jones is really the head coach, the GM, and the owner. He wears a lot of hats. And now there's rumors about Jason Garrett being done after this season. And supposedly, if he is done after the season and he's fired by the Cowboys, that – he would have a bit of a market and the first team rumored on that list is the New York Giants. Now I don't know how true that is. I don't know if they, if you want to move on from Pat Shermer this quickly, I certainly wouldn't. I mean because look what what have you given him to work with? A rookie QB who's not ready to play who who's picked 6th overall because he grew up knowing the Mannings. And he's 6-5. That's that's pretty much it. So, I don't know about that one, but I could see Jason Garrett having a market because look what he has to deal with. Look at the circus Jerry Jones brings. You can't talk about Colin Kaepernick in the circus and the attention he would bring. You can't talk about Antonio Brown in the circus and the attention he would bring when you have a man that's at the top bringing a circus to the field. So I could see him in a lot of owners' mind getting the benefit of the doubt because, my man, look, look what he had to work with. Look what kind of pressure he was under. And so, yeah, I could see him getting snatched up pretty quickly if he gets fired at the end of the season. But then um, I don't know if it was a rumor or just a pundit was talking about it, but uh, something about uh, Jerry Jones firing uh, his son, Steven, that right there I do not agree with At all I don't agree with that one at all If he fires Steve If he fires Stephen Jones today Steven Jones has a job Tomorrow Like literally less than 12 hours later Steven Jones will have a job In some capacity In someone's franchise Now did he get the position he's currently in Because Jerry Jones is his dad Sure You can make that argument But has he proven That that he belongs in that position, absolutely. Just look at the guys he's drafted. All the reports where he talked Jerry Jones out of draft and certain players to draft other players and how those players have been home run hits. I think the only only one that he couldn't talk his dad out of, most likely, was Ezekiel Elliott because I think that's the Jerry Jones pick through and through. Now, Ezekiel Elliott is good, don't get me wrong, but they shouldn't have took Ezekiel at four. They should have took Jalen Ramsey because you could have got any other back because you get backs all throughout the draft and later rounds, so you didn't have to spend a fourth-round pick on Ezekiel Elliott. You should have drafted Jalen Ramsey. But to think that he might cut ties with Stephen Jones, man, I don't know about that one, dude. Get out of here with that. Oh, before I forget, I have to say congratulations to Fred Taylor, one of the greatest football players that I have ever watched, and I'm not just saying that because he's a hometown guy. He's a Jacksonville Jaguar. I mean, ask any of Fred's opponents, from Ray Lewis to uh, Woodsons, uh, Charles, and Rob Woodson, Warren Sapp. Ask any of the Pittsburgh defenders uh, from Fred' prime years. You name it. They'll tell you how good Fred was. Even Jim Brown, Jim Brown, one of the greatest running backs of all time, said that Fred Taylor was a cold-blooded runner. Fred had it all. 6'1, about 225, 230, 235, maybe at his heaviest, with legit 4'2, 4'3 speed, power, lateral agility underrated hands, Fred Taylor was the complete package at running back. Like, you could literally date a Jaguar fan if you asked them who's the greatest running back in Jaguars history. If they say Maurice Jones Drew, they're young. If they say Fred Taylor, they're most likely a little more seasoned. But I think it's long overdue that he's a semifinalist for the Hall of Fame. Because his numbers are comparable to running backs in the Hall of Fame right now. If you put Terrell Davis in the Hall of Fame, Fred Taylor needs to go into the Hall of Fame. I understand uh, Terrell Davis powered powered two Super Bowl runs for the Denver Broncos. The dude really only had five, five, five and a half years of his prime. Fred Taylor had longevity, better numbers, and was just an all-around better player. And, of course, once again, uh, the first pick in Jaguars history, first draft pick in Jaguars history, Tony Vaselli is up again. He's a semif- semifinalist once again, and he should have been in two years ago. If the Hall had to put T.O. in when he was supposed to go in and not make him wait, I think Tony would have been in already. But I think Tony has the closest shot. I think this might be Tony Baselli's year to get in. He'll be the first Jacksonville Jaguar to go into the Hall of Fame. Fred has more of an uphill battle because there were so many running backs from his era. And he's, you know, he got so much competition for it. But eventually, Fred Taylor should get into the Hall. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is my time. You won't hear from me again. Until, but the week after Thanksgiving, I'll take a nice long break. I'm off work for about a week. I'm gonna kick my heels up and enjoy my time. Still get a little bit of work in. Continue to work on, you know, whether it's you know this podcast or any of my sports media stuff, or any of the other projects I got in the works. Continue to work and get better every day. But please remember to like, share, and subscribe. Remember all the platforms I'm on. Should let everybody know. Doesn't matter. I told you I'm getting ready to bring people on. Have guests. We are gonna duke it out. I'm purposefully bringing people on who I know opinions differ from mine. So this won't be a bro-hugging-out show. It's gonna get heated. But until next time, I'll talk to you guys later. Peace.